We are back once again. It is Matt Hutchinson, Mortgage Loan Officer with Sock Mortgage. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host. John Sock, owner of Sock Mortgage. And this week's episode of the Partners First Podcast is going to be a little bit different. We're going to let you in on a little slice of life here. Had a COVID outbreak with my little Savage over the weekend. She went to a birthday party. There's a parent and a couple children there that uh, found out they were positive for COVID on Monday. So we're hunkered down in the custom-made podcast studio here at the BMF Ranch, but we are not in our typical sock mortgage studio. So uh, John and I aren't in the same room right now. I know he misses my smiling face. I certainly miss his. Oh, absolutely, man. And I've seen the uh, the hunkered down bunker studio, man. It is nice. Yeah, yeah. High living, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, hey, it's the, the big side of town, I tell you. It's great. Good living over here. Um, but yeah, so we're going to get to a few things today. We've got some good news at, at the end of the show for people with rental income, and we've got some statistics about first-time home buyers as well and some things that might help you save a little bit of money on your journey. We're going to be joined today with Kevin Dom, um, real estate agent with the Dom Group out of the Ann Arbor area here in Michigan, their Keller Williams group. And he's going to come on. He's going to talk, give you some tips for a first-time home buyer, give you a little bit about his experience, but how his team is able to really customize their experience for you and how they're able to help you out. And we uh, are looking forward to having him on right now. Well, Kevin, I appreciate you joining us today, taking some time out to speak with everybody. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, the place we always start out with is the beginning. Tell us how it is that you came to arrive here. Uh, pretty separate journeys. Our, our group is actually made up of uh, myself and my father. And uh, we've got very, very different backgrounds. He was the uh, heavy academic guy. He's got a few different degrees. Worked for Ford for about 34 years and then decided to go into real estate in the mid-2000s. Um, I went the complete opposite route, uh, moved out to Colorado after high school because I thought I wanted to be a professional snowboarder. And then uh, spent uh, about the next you know, 15 years or so in pretty high-level um, food service or customer service development. I actually worked for the regional offices of some pretty big chains throughout the country. And then uh, uh, once Amazon bought that specific chain, my job was eliminated and I ended up in real estate with my dad. So we've got really, really different backgrounds. Um, I'm a lot more, you know, uh, service oriented from the background and he's, you know, He's a nice guy. He's great at the service part, but he's definitely the numbers guy. So we were a really, really nice combination as far as being able to serve our customers when we run into different types of people. Because as we know, and I'm sure you guys run into in your profession, uh, different types of people require different types of touches. So we've got it pretty well covered. Right, right. We've been uh, we've been uh, a formal group since the late 2000s. Um, you know, got some buyers agents that help us out quite a bit, and. Uh, and chugging right along the majority of our business uh concentrates between like the canton plymouth and chelsea area with the heavy concentration on ann arbor and chelsea well two two of the best areas in michigan now you obviously are a wolverines fan i assume right yeah yeah i grew up in the shadow of the uh of the big house i'm a i'm a west side of ann arbor kid so yep Oh, mom still lives about a mom still lives about a half a mile from the stadium and uh oh, i'm cool. on the west side of ann arbor myself so Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. So snowboarding in 
and then into the, you know, the customer service, the, the retail end of things and dealing with that. When did you ultimately, ultimately make that decision to go into real estate from that? Was it in the late two thousands as well? Or were you thinking about it even when you were snow, you couldn't have been thinking about it when you were snowboarding. <laughs> no, that was pretty early on in the game. That was in my, uh, I, in my, uh, you know, late teens, early twenties, I actually ended up buying my own business out in Boulder, Colorado when I was in my, uh, in my early twenties and did that for a while. And I didn't, uh, my father went into real estate in 2007. I followed him in, in 2014. So, um, you know, I'm about seven and a half years in now had a really, really steep learning curve sitting next to him. But, um, you know, the way that the, the market has changed, you know, he really had to, you know, pivot the business heavily from what, you know, he encountered getting your, you know, beginning your real estate career in 2007 is a, is a, was a pretty challenging time. To yeah, do so. absolutely. Um, you know, and, uh, that's where, you know, his engineering background and his ability to manipulate and, um, you know, really, really process data went a long way because, you know, he was unfortunately just going through a lot of short sales, a lot of foreclosures and, you know, the banks all have their special language when it comes to that type of thing. And so, you know, he got really, really good at that type of thing. Me coming in, in, you know, 2014, completely different animal. Um, and, uh, uh, to be completely frank, a lot more fun. Um, (laughs) so, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, the extremes of both sides of the market and, you know, know how each individual property based on, you know, its value and what it has to offer, you know, a a new buyer or a seller. Um, You know, we've gotten pretty good at navigating a lot of different types of situations. Um, As far as our business is concerned, you know, we are quite a bit more full service than a lot of other agents are, you know, a real quick example is, you know, the level of, of, service and help we provide our sellers when we're preparing to list a home you know we really are there and engaged through the entire process um you know whether it comes to design and updates that need to be handled you know prior to listing we're there the whole time i I just actually i was coming from one of uh my future listings where I was helping them pick out some new flooring to put into the kitchen to just get the place a little bit spiffed up. And, you know, when uh, it's time to get quotes for repairs and things like that, you know, we're running point on that for our customers and we're not just handing off phone numbers and saying, Oh yeah, call this guy, see what he can get over. So we're a lot more involved in the process step-by-step. You know, we're really about, you know, building those relationships with the people that we're working with and, um, you know, really being there from start to uh, the closing table and then, you know, for a long time after there, after that as well. So, um, you know, we get, we get real involved and real close with our clients and, uh, it, it, you know, try to make the process as smooth and fun as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good process that you've got there. Being able to help the different people, like you said, there's so many different needs that the customers have. Absolutely. Um, yep, go ahead. No, as I say, so Kevin, was that primarily, you know, your call to, to kind of go as a full service uh, type of company like that? Or because I know you said your dad was more of the engineer side, so he's maybe a little more analytical. You said you're more of the service guy. Was that kind of your call to, to bring it more towards that way where it was a full service shop? You know, I can't really say it was a conscious decision, man. Um, it was it, it, it just kind of happened organically. Um, 
you know, I, I don't want to make my father sound like he's some sort of cyborg um, <laughs> robot. <laughs> he's, he's a really, really nice, caring guy who, uh, you know, we both just, you know, I mean, maybe we're saps, man. I mean, we do, you know, we do a lot of volume. We do a lot of transactions a year, but we still get really excited for our clients. You know, I work with a lot of first time home buyers and, you know, a lot of more established agents kind of shy away from that because it's usually more work. There's a higher level of education. There's a higher level of engagement and there's um, usually a little bit lower price point, but I just, I love watching someone get their first set of keys in their hands, you know, or, or any set of keys for that matter. And, you know, we, we both feel that way. And, um, you know, so we just, we just kind of get in there and, and, um, it's, it's not, I don't know that it's anything we've really ever specifically talked about, you know, I mean, at this point, because of client feedback and because of the return customers that we get, we know it's obviously a differentiator um, between how we do things and how a lot of other agents do things. Um, so now it's talked about, but I, I, it's not really something we did deliberately. It just kind of happened because, you know, we, we like, we like taking care of people, you know? Um, and then the flip side of that, you know, like one of my absolute favorite things is, you know, I'm, I'm personally in my early forties. And so I've got a lot of friends and colleagues and clients who bought their homes, you know, at a lower point in the market and watching somebody who's in their late thirties, early forties, selling their first house and pocketing 200 grand. It's just awesome. You know I mean? That really is going to, change the tra- trajectory of their you know financial well-being and it's mm-hmm. happening all the time right now because of how healthy our market is you know and that's um you know why we're we're encouraging people who can are ready to make a step up or maybe having that second child and you know need a little bit bigger home to, to you know to go and take that money out of their house and, and uh, keep it working for them yeah, yeah for sure and, and and you had mentioned that you you do work with a lot of first-time home buyers what are some tips you can give somebody that it's their first time out there? You know, where, where do they go? Where do they begin? Work with people you trust. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, it's, it's such a momentous decision. You know, the, the, that very first home that you choose to buy. And then, you know, as you guys are aware, the the manner in which you treat, you choose to buy it and finance it can really, um, you know, change the directory, the trajectory of your financial health for a real long time. And I am, you know, hyper protective of my buyers. We surround ourselves with a really, really great team of, you know, lenders and, and, and title workers who are always looking out for the best interests of their clients, but you have to trust those people. And, um, you know, one of the first things I say to my buyers in, uh, you know, our, our first consultation, and it, it can come off as mildly arrogant, but it's true is that if I'm telling you something you don't like, or you don't want to hear, chances are that it's true and it's in your best interest. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people this year I've told that they just needed to wait to buy a house because it, it, it just wasn't a good idea for them at this given moment because of the climate of the market, you know, or I'm, I'm really busy with buyers right now because I told so many in springtime to wait um, because they just weren't going to be capable of financially competing with what, you know, was going on in the market and I didn't want people overspending. And so really, I mean, the most important thing is as a new buyer is just trusting the people that you work with and, and trusting that they're looking out for you. Um, you know, in, in being a little bit conservative, it's real easy to spend too much money right now. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. That was one of the listener questions that we had was how long do you see this market that we're in right now here in Michigan? And it's going on throughout the country, but this type of seller's market where you put the house 
on the market on Monday and you've got offers by Wednesday? Like how, and it's so hard for a buyer. How long do you see this going on? I would say at least another 18 months. Um, you know, probably 18 to 24. The problem is though, it's not, you know, it's not going to stop being in a, being a seller's market. It's just not, you know, the, the production of new homes since the downturn in the late two two thousands, you know, is still way, way below what it was, you know, mm-hmm. between the late seventies, between the late seventies and the mid two thousands, we were building an average of like 1.3 to 1.6 million new homes a year. Um, you know, since then we haven't built more than 900,000 new homes. And so this surplus, or I'm sorry, this, this deficit of homes that we're dealing with right now, it would basically take us doubling the amount of homes that we're, we've been building over the last few years for 10 years straight in order for us to, to dig out of this hole in the lack of housing. And, um, you know, existing homes are kind of even worse because in, you know, in Ann Arbor, for instance, you know, we've got two of the largest generations of, of, people kind of fighting over the same houses. So, you know, my neighborhood, for instance, I live about a mile out of downtown Ann Arbor on the, on the west side of town. And it's, um, you know, smaller, nice, nice homes. And so you've got, you know, some boomers that are selling their, you know, great big McMansions on the outskirts of the townships of, of town who wanted to downsize and move closer to town. But at the same time, it's also very heavily targeted by first time home buyers and the millennials. And so sure. you've got these two massive groups of, of people that these neighborhoods are, are kind of being targeted by. And, um, you know, it's going to ease up, you know, it, we're not going to see the shenanigans that we saw in springtime where we've got, you know, 60 showings and 25 offers on a house but, um, you know, for people who are out there like, oh, there's a bubble, it's going to burst. Well, there's there's not really any bubble to burst. You know, we're not going to see 10 to 13 percent a year growth in prices like we have been. It'll mellow out a little bit, sure. but there still will be growth. It's not, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to buy now. You're not going to save money by waiting three years. I, you know, you might not compete with as many people, yeah. but the houses are still going to get expensive. That's just what they do. Exactly. That's great advice too, because there are so many people that think back to 2006 through 2012 when the market had absolutely crashed and that bubble burst. And they think that that's going to happen again. It's not the same thing. It's a supply and demand and there is not enough supply for the demand and it's not going to be for quite a while. So it's going to be a fun market for a little while. I mean, for all of us that are in it still, um, you know, get your, don't think you're waiting that waiting it out this time around though, folks is going to save you money. It's going to cost you more in the long run. Homes are still going to get more expensive. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people lose touch with is, you know, I mean, cause that was obviously such a momentous event. I mean, especially for people who, you know, are now just coming of home buying age. They watched what their parents yeah. had to go through financially and things like that. But what we have to remind ourselves of is nothing like that had occurred since the 1920s. And hopefully the regulations have been put in place now that we will avoid it ever happening again. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and to your point about supply and demand, I mean, part of that big crash was caused by the fact that housing prices were still being allowed to increase drastically when there was a large surplus of homes. Yep. You know, I mean, it was, it was against the basic tenets of economics. There was, there were plenty of homes to buy, 
but they were still getting it more expensive. Right now, they're getting more expensive because there is a lack of supply, you know, and that's how the economy works. And so it's it's just two totally, totally different markets. And, um, you know, like I said before, there's not really a bubble to burst. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, back to a personal question for you here before I, le- I let you get off here and go about helping people out today. What is the best place in Michigan to snowboard? <laughs> um, well, it kind of, you know, if you want to get wild, Mount Bohemia, you know, all right. way up north at the, at the tip of the peninsula, but, uh, that's all trees and rocks, man. And you gotta, you, you, you know, you gotta know what you're doing to stay safe up there. Um, you know, I personally have my season pass at Shush Mountain. I like it. It stays, you know, it stays pretty mellow up there and, uh, it's not, uh, you're not waiting in line for 25 minutes, but, uh, yeah, you know, I would have to say my favorite place in Michigan is probably Nubs Knob or Boynton Island. Nubs Knob. Not- so. All right. All right. Well, some some Boynton Island. Everyone's been up there. I mean, that's that's a place yeah, to go yeah. with summertime, Absolutely. springtime, fall, everywhere in Michigan. Yeah. Well, I got. I luckily my wife is from Denver, so I've got a lot of places oh, to go to Colorado. Yeah. So. Exactly. Okay. So now I know where you're going. You're not okay. I get it. Then I get it. Well, listen. <laughs> what is the best way for people to reach you? I know the website's great. It's Dom Group realestate.kw.com. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Call me. All right. Uh, 734-604-5055. That's, that's usually the easiest way to, to reach me. We, you know, you know how it is in our business. We've yep. always got those things attached to us. So absolutely uh, yeah, that or uh, that or sending us an email. It's just Kevin at domgroup.com. So pretty simple. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on and taking some time. We'll be talking to you down the road. Sounds great. Thanks for your time, Matt and Jim. Thank you. Thanks. Well, the transition from snowboarding to real estate, um, it, I was kind of thinking that maybe it was just like a one week I was he was snowboarding and then he went to real estate, but there was a little time in between, but that's quite a journey there, moving out to Colorado, coming back to Michigan and taking over the real estate market, don't you think? Oh, for sure. Man, have you ever been snowboarding? Um, I told you about my experience on a mountain. It wasn't snowboarding, it was skiing, and I bent my shin bone. I was so awful at skiing. I've got the bruises too. To I, I went down the hill three times and just destroyed my body all three times. It's not for me. I'm not made for icy hills. Yeah, you know what? It's one of those things where if you do it and you're good, you'll love it. If you're not, it's terrible. And I was not. So okay, so I you, never snowboarded again. No, no. We we like our sports traditional because we're not good at the moving mount going down a mountain at significant rates of speed we need basketball football but the standard sports that my feet are typically on the ground for most of it and not hurling at an unusual rate of speed for a human being yeah sports without mountains that's that's kind of more of our game yeah yeah i'm not good i i admire people that are though because it sounds awesome um and it's kind of cool like oh yeah i'm going snowboarding for the weekend or oh i'm going to denver to ski i'll never say that so yeah, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So anyway, we had a little bit of news come out this week. John, what do you want to share with us? So there's been some changes again. Like I said, another positive change coming out. Uh, Fannie Mae this time is now allowing rental history. So consistent rental history that's reported on your credit report will now actually be a positive factor when your file is being automated or underwritten. 
um, which is great because before it, it was never a factor. And the nice thing about it is they will also not allow missed payments to negatively affect the borrower too. So they're kind of looking a blind eye to missed payments, but they're 100% taking those consistent payments as a positive for you as the client or you as the borrower. So that's a huge change. Again, having a good rental history is now going to help you when you're looking to become a buyer. So especially great for first-time home buyers. That's going to be huge. And speaking of first-time home buyers, we actually had some announcements come out over the last week as far as just data for the you know first eight and a half months of the year. And one of the things that came out were that first-time home buyers are purchasing new construction homes at a rate never seen before. And it's, it really goes back to what we spoke about with Kevin a few minutes ago, that there is just not enough supply for the demand. So First-time homebuyers used to traditionally, you know, they were buying smaller homes, one- and two-bedroom properties and things like that. And now there's not really a starter home market that's out there. So it's um, going and they're looking at custom-build homes. And now where we can come into play with that, your builder typically works with a lender and they have a lender that they're comfortable with, they know their process, and they instruct you to work with it you don't have to use your builder's lender. So if you'd like us to take a look at some things for you, or you'd like to see what we can do for you or any lender that's out there, any broker, give them a call, reach out to them, speak with your local local mortgage broker, hopefully it's Sock Mortgage, and let them walk you through what they can do. Now, in some situations, the deal that you're able to get from the builder's lender, it's a great deal. And sometimes there's no need to change anything, or sometimes there might be an incentive with the home as well um, that goes into it too. So in certain cases, it might make a ton of sense for you to stay there. If so, we'll always let you know that, but definitely something you want to take a look at too. Having your lender working for you rather than working for the builder um, is always a good idea to have that in place as well. Yeah. I always look at the the lenders um, that work with builders directly or a builder's lender, for example, they're, they're the house cat, right? They sit and they're fed all the time. They get leads to them. So they don't have to work. They don't really know what it's like to get out there, get their hands dirty, and make sure that they're getting you the best programs, best product. They just go, hey, this is our builder. This is what we do. Take it or leave it. Have a great day. So like like Matt's saying there is it's important to have somebody that's going to actually work for you because, you know, you're, you're, you're the client in that situation. For a builder that has a lender, they're working to make sure that builder is happy, not the client necessarily happy. So just keep that in mind when you're out there. It's always good to get, you know, a second look or a second opinion on things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, as this continues to go on, there's going to be more and more new construction, whether it's your first home, your 10th home, always have an independent mortgage broker. Take a look at it for you. Work with someone you're comfortable working with. Um, but definitely have them take a look at it because you need someone working on your behalf as well during this whole transaction if they're in cahoots together. But, um, well, John, I think we've said it all. Did we? Did we, did we give a shout out to our, our German fan base? Because I feel like we can't give them enough. You know How what? Our German stats looking this, this week. You know what? Our, our being in the bunker made me a little bit crazy, I think. I did forget to give a shout out. How um, did you forget? You know, it's. Fan base. It's sticking at a, it's actually down a little bit. It's right at 6% this week, not in the six and a half range. So maybe we've just gained some more American listeners. And I think that's really what happened. I'm sure our, our German population, our, our German um, kind of fan base really is continuing to grow as it will. You know, Germans love David Hasselhoff and they love the Partners First podcast. 
Thank you again for downloading, liking, and subscribing. Make sure that you do that. We appreciate all the love that you guys have been giving us. Make sure you go to the website, SockMortgage.com. Let us know any friends or family we can help out. And give a shout out to our partners again today. Thanks again to Kevin from Dom Real Estate Group coming in. DomRealEstateGroup.KW.com. I'm Matt Hutchinson. He's John Sock. We are Sock Mortgage, NMLS 2001735. We'll talk to you down the road. Thank you.